Go ahead and grab a seat. And good morning. Happy New Year, Northeast. It's great to see you. Uh, hey, let me just tell you a little bit about where we're headed over the next uh, couple weeks as we kind of start this new year together. Um, we are beginning this new series, a short little series called Faithful Presence for the first weeks of this year. What do we mean by faithful presence? So right out of the gates, I'm just going to start defining things. Here's what we mean by faithful presence. Here's what we're going to be looking at. Faithful presence is when we, as the church, live every day with a missionary mentality, building relationships, laying down our lives, and planting seeds for the gospel everywhere Jesus has placed us, in classrooms, in office places, at the gym, and in our neighborhoods. Faithful presence strives to be the tangible expression, the hands and feet of Jesus in all of our daily routines. Hear me say that, all of our daily routines. Not just a daily routine with Jesus in the morning, and then we continue on with our activities. But it's inviting Jesus to transform our lives and to use us that we would be him to a watching world. Whether it's at school, in a classroom, or stuck in a cubicle, or serving people, or running into someone at HEB, that we would be the hands and feet, the tangible expression of Jesus everywhere that he has already placed us. That's what we mean by faithful presence. We're going to spend the next three weeks looking at faithful presence. What does it mean? More importantly, how do we do this practically? What do the scriptures call us to do? After faithful presence, we're going to jump and dive in then to the book of Esther. We're going to do a series through the book of Esther that will lead us up to Easter because guess what Esther was? Esther was a faithful presence. God placed her where she was for a purpose, for a time. We're going to see her life as a faithful presence. That's where we're beginning the year. Faithful presence is really a reflection of God's mission, God's commission of his church, his people. It's a reflection even of our mission here. Here's, here's how we talk about our mission. For those of you who are brand new to Northeast, just checking us out in the beginning of the year, our mission at Northeast is put this way. It's to be making disciples who pursue Jesus fully and love others deeply. That's our mission. Really an expression of Jesus' command to love him with everything and love our neighbor as herself. Like We just want to be faithful in that. If we feel like, man, that's the starting point, we don't get to pass that, we have to begin there, and we have to do that. And this isn't just what we want for you, like we hope God will magically do it in your life. This is our commitment to you. We are committing to equip you in this. That's the mission of the church, to equip you to pursue Jesus fully and to give you the tools to do that. And we want to equip you this year to love others deeply and give you tools to do that. But here's what I want you to understand as we dive into this series, we dive into this discussion on faithful presence. You cannot do the latter without the former. You cannot love others deeply, at least not in the way that God calls us to in the scriptures. You cannot love others deeply unless you first pursued Jesus fully. Here's why, meaning this, is the kind of love the depth of sacrifice, the quality of faithfulness needed 
by his people to make a mark with our presence in this world. It requires the spirit of God at work within us, which means we cannot love others deeply without first pursuing Jesus fully because we need his power if you're going to do this work in the way that he's called us to. And that's where our conversation begins. And that's what we see in the example of the early church. So we're going to be in Acts 2, but before we read it, would you just pause with me and can we just pray and can we just invite God through his spirit to help us see and hear these familiar words in a new way so that we're transformed by them in this new year. Pray with me. Father God, would you meet us this year and transform us as a community to live faithfully, Lord, where you've placed us to not miss what you are doing, to be a part of a greater work and a greater kingdom. And so, Father, through the power of your spirit now, would you open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. More than anything, God, help us to apply so that we're faithfully present with you and we can be faithfully present in this world. We ask it in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Grab your Bibles, head with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 is in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through your Bibles. So after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, comes the book of Acts. The four Gospels recount for us the life, the teachings, the truth of Jesus. But the book of Acts opens with Jesus commissioning, sending his church in chapter 1, then empowering them with his spirit in chapter 2, and then Jesus departs and, and he leaves us to be a faithful Presence. We're going to pick up Acts 2. Really, we're going to spend the next three weeks at the end of Acts 2 in a very familiar passage, but this is an essential passage. Essential that we get it, essential that we understand it, essential that we revisit it, and all the more essential that we replicate it in our lives. Acts 2, beginning at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Again, it's a familiar passage. If you've been around the church for long, you've heard it. If you've been at Northeast, you hear it every year. We, we come back and we revisit it. Why do we re-preach this passage every year? Because we never graduate from the gospel. We never graduate from its implication for our lives as the church. It's essential because this isn't just a passage to study. Like, oh, okay, Drew taught that. I learned it. I took notes on this last year. Why do you keep talking about it, Drew? Because this passage is given you, not just so that you'd study it and know it, but so that you'd replicate it and do it. You're called to be this. And the elders want me to repeat it, so we're going to do it. 
Here's, here's the deal. Uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve. We spend every New Year's Eve the same way. We have close friends. We spent New Year's Eve together for maybe 10 years now going on. And we have food. We eat really good. We play games. Our kids are all the same ages. They hang out. And we, we love it every year. But this year was, ooh, better, top notch. Because my friend had made the best jalapeno poppers I've ever had in my life. They were amazing. And all night long then, I was peppering him, no pun intended, but kind of peppering him with questions about these jalapeno poppers. Like, man, what's in them? Like, okay, and how did you do that? Because these are different than I've made, and they're so much better than anything I've ever had before. So I'm asking for all the ingredients. Okay, and those are the ingredients. But how much of this? How much of that? And okay, and then would you mix that together? And then do you oven or grill? Like, I want to know the whole deal, because here's the deal. I didn't just want to have one night enjoying the poppers. I wanted to replicate it so that I could enjoy it far more often. You may see some changes this year. (laughs) Church, we're not here just to enjoy church and what God has done. That is not the point. The scripture exists, not that you'd study it and understand it and enjoy it. It exists so that you would replicate the church, so that you would be the church so that you would see the essential ingredients and you would apply them to your life and you would go out and you, as the church, would be a faithful presence before a watching world that they might see Jesus in you. It's not something to be consumed. It's something to be replicated. So look at the essential ingredients in this. Verse 42, they devoted themselves. Now, so often we want to just rush then from this point. Okay, what did they devote themselves to? And there's four things in the list. We got four points in the sermon. I'm going to take four notes. And we want to rush ahead and we analyze the passage. Let me just pause because we so often miss something in this by skipping and jumping ahead to what those four things are. Notice the plurality of these first few words. They, plural, devoted themselves, plural. The church came together, and this is what they, all of them, did. Why does this matter? It matters because Jesus wants to make a difference on planet Earth, and he wants to make a difference through you. This is for you. Acts 2 is not talking about the devotion of the church staff. They, the staff, devoted themselves and the leadership. No, 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 no. Acts 2 is talking about the devotion of people like you and I, followers of Jesus in the church together, who devoted themselves. See, the church is not this campus. The church is not a time slot in the week that you fill sometimes if you don't sleep in. This begins with you and I, And it happens only when you and I involve ourselves in the work because you and I are called to be a faithful presence in the church, in the world. This is addressed to you. See, because the church lives on Brookbend Drive. The church lives on Morgan Run, on White Trail. The church lives on Teak Loop and Batcave Road. The church exists everywhere you live and work and breathe because you are the church. And when it says that they devoted themselves, it is not talking about a place. It is talking about you as a people. 
That word devoted, it literally means to persist obstinately. Persist obstinately. Obstinately, isn't that great? Maybe you have a young person in your home that, that's obstinate often. That picture in your head, that's the kind of devotion, that's the kind of obstinance that the early church had. This, this word had intensity to it in the text. They were not going to be talked out of their devotion. They were not going to be distracted from the things that they were devoting themselves to. It was a stubborn persistence, a wholehearted devotion. It was an all-consuming commitment to these things. Like an Aggie that can't help but whoop every time they hear their school named, even if they're having the worst year in football ever. <laughs> Proves my point, right? Persistently obstinate, annoyingly faithful, and yet that's what you are called to be as the church, so committed. In a good year, Aggie football, in a bad year, Aggie football, okay, maybe a little less swoop, but it's still there, right? In a good year, Jesus. In a bad year, Jesus. I mean, we're, we're struggling to get there, but we're still believing in Jesus. This is the persistent, the obstinate devotion of the early church, that they were looking to Jesus. It was the force and the commitment of what they together did. But notice how then it begins. First and foremost, it begins with Jesus. So verse 42, they devoted themselves to what? I realize I'm a white preacher, but this is okay. You can talk back to me at this church. That's allowed. Okay, let's try this again. Way too many white people in here. <laughs> they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? The apostles' teaching is that the apostles were commissioned by Jesus, hey, go make disciples, teaching them what? All I've commanded you. So the apostles' teaching is Jesus' teaching. The apostles' teaching is just repeating, rehearsing everything Jesus had told them. What, what did Jesus say to Peter when Jesus was drawing Peter back onto mission, inviting him back after Peter's massive rejection of Jesus? Jesus meets, they have breakfast, brunch on the beach. And Jesus says to him, go, feed my sheep. And so the early church gathers and Peter and the rest of the apostles are feeding the sheep, the words, the teachings, the truths of Jesus. That's what the apostles' teaching was, is the teachings and the truths of Jesus. And the church was obstinately devoted. They persisted obstinately in the teachings and truths of Jesus. Understand, this is the first century. First century culture means there are 1,400 years yet until Gutenberg invents the printing press. 1,400 years. Meaning that when they're persisting obstinately in their teaching, no one's showing up with a Bible under their arm. No one's sitting in there being like, oh, well, what's the Greek word of that, Peter? Oh, interesting. Like, Greek and Hebrew, they're like, yeah, that's my language. You don't need to explain it. I know it. Like, just tell me more what Jesus said. There's no whiteboards. There's no points on screens. They're not leaving feeling good and fat intellectually because they studied a word. Understand in the synagogue at that point, 
The synagogue was the only place that the parchments, these, these scriptures existed. You'd have to go to synagogue, and at that synagogue, not even every synagogue had all of the scriptures, because it was insanely expensive to produce parchment. It didn't last very well and hold up in the weather. They were constantly re- rewriting these things and ensuring that it was absolutely correct, which took a massive amount of manpower. So at local synagogue, at best, would have, have maybe the five books of the Torah, maybe the five books of the law. They would have a portion of the Psalms, and sometimes they would have a prophet like Isaiah, usually a major prophet. But no one had personal copies unless you were insanely rich, and then maybe you had a portion of a scroll, a portion that had been reproduced for you at great cost. So when the church came, And when it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, it means that they had to show up because they wanted to hear from Peter's mouth. And they would lean in and they're like, Peter, tell us more about what Jesus said. And the whole church would hush. They were hungry, devoted to the teachings of Jesus, and they wanted to hear it direct from the source. Tell us about the time that Jesus met that woman at the well. Tell us about the time that he healed the man who was brought through the roof. And instead of just taking notes and applying it intellectually and then discussing in the lobby afterwards where they were going to go for lunch, no judgment, like invite me. <laughs> instead of that, they're far more focused on what does that mean for me? How do I live like Jesus? Because Jesus was just a breath away. Jesus had just departed And they wanted to know how to be just like Jesus. Everyone in the church was personally devoted to studying the teachings and the truths of Jesus. Church, can I just pause here and ask you a critical question? What does your personal devotion to Jesus look like? What's the level of your abiding That's the word that Jesus uses. Jesus in John chapter 15. If you want, you can flip over there with me. We'll put it on the screens as well. John 15, verse four or five. This is the words. These are the words that Jesus uses to talk about being personally devoted, connected to him. John 15, four and five. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What's the level of your devotion, of your abiding in Jesus? Because Jesus is saying the only hope of bearing fruit this year for you is abiding in him. To be obstinately devoted to his teachings and his truths. Here's here's the point. The fruit, the fruit of faithful presence flows out of devotion. The fruit, Jesus talking about fruit. You you can't have fruit unless you abide in me. Well, the fruit of faithful presence flows out of, I I would add personal devotion, insert personal there, personal devotion to Jesus. You want to see fruit in your life this year? Spiritual fruit? It flows out of personal devotion to Jesus. You want to see fruit in your kids' lives, behaviors changed, hearts for Jesus that are full. You want to see that? It begins with personal devotion to Jesus. You want to see fruit in your marriage, a marriage that's transformed? It begins with personal devotion to Jesus. 
You want to see fruit in your neighbors, fruit in family members that don't know him, fruit in a mother or father that are dying right now of cancer, and you're just praying that they would come to know the saving work of Jesus before they breathe their last. It flows out of a personal devotion to Jesus. Faithful presence everywhere you are, everywhere you go, and with everyone you interact with. It flows out of personal devotion to Jesus. What's the nature of your abiding in him? See, everyone wants to be a part of the Acts 2 church. We read this passage, we're like, yeah, we need to have a church like that. I want to be a part of a church like that. And especially when we say that, we're especially thinking of the later part of the passage when everyone is sharing and they're caring for each other so well and the church is adding to their number. And we're like, yeah, I want to be a church that's on fire. It's on the move that God is using in the community. And I want to be cared for really, really well. Everyone wants that. But understand, you don't get to the latter without the former. You don't get to really that kind of deep love and care and commitment and that deep impact out in the city, in the community without beginning with a personal, persistent, obstinate devotion to Jesus. How did they know this? Because the apostles taught it. What were the apostles teaching? They were teaching the very ways of Jesus. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus did this himself. Jesus Jesus even acknowledged, like, I can only do what the Father sends me to do and what the Father empowers me to do. So Jesus practiced faithful presence with God so that he could be a faithful presence in the world. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus, early in the morning, stole away. He spent time early in the morning. This is repeated all through the Gospels, that Jesus would separate to pray so that he could hear clearly from the Father and know what the Father was calling him to do in his ministry that day. That's your command too. And we together have to devote ourselves persistently to that kind of pursuit of God so that we hear from him and know how to live each and every day. And I think that's why prayer is also listed in the list of ingredients. It begins with the apostles teaching. The fourth thing on the list is the prayers, the apostles teaching and the prayers by having that definite article there, the shows that it's really speaking of corporate and formal prayers. They were, they were coming out of a Jewish culture. They were still Jews. Jesus just perfected their Judaism. He didn't save them from Judaism, okay? He perfected their Judaism. And, and in the midst of this, they still followed all the traditions, the, the traditional prayer times, the coming together. They'd wake in the morning with a prayer. They'd have prayer at three in the afternoon, right? They had these sequences throughout the day where they would pause and they would devote themselves again and set their eyes on the Father. Jesus taught them to do this, so they committed themselves as a community to the prayers. It came from Jesus. And the question then for you and I is, what's the level of your devotion to the truth and teaching of Jesus? What's the level of your devotion to the prayers? Because fruit, the fruit of faithful presence flows out of that. But there's a second thing in the text. It wasn't just the word. It wasn't just prayers. Look again at this list in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread. And the prayers. So we hit the first and last things on the list, the apostles' teaching and the prayers. But it says in the middle, the, third, the second and third ingredients to this are and the fellowship to the breaking of bread. 
They, they were committed not just personally, vertically, but they were also committed corporately together, horizontally to one another. The church wasn't just devoted to word or Bible study. They devoted themselves to the body of Christ. Why did they devote themselves to the body? Because it was Jesus' body. And if Jesus died to save it and Jesus loved it, then they had to love it too. It was Jesus' body. This is what the scriptures say about the church. The church is the body of Christ. Colossians 1, if you need a reference. And Jesus is the head of the body. Here's the deal. If you want to love Jesus and pursue Jesus, well, you can't love Jesus and detach yourself from his body. That's not how anatomy works. Imagine you coming to me and being like, Drew, man, I love you, but your wife drives me crazy. I'd love to spend more time with you, but, but your wife kind of drives me mad. I mean, where do you think that would leave us in relationship? Like, hey, come on over Friday night. I'll make you jalapeno poppers. No, I'll eat those things myself. Thank you. Did it once. I'll do it again. Man, if you told me I love you and I want to connect with you, but I, I, I can't with your wife. I'd be like, well, then I'm sorry. Because here's what God said. When I committed and made vows to my wife, he said the two became one. We became one flesh. You don't get to separate us. No one can. And it's the same with Jesus in the church. Nowhere in scripture does it give you permission to love Jesus, but be meh on the church. Because it is the body of Christ. And you cannot separate the head from the body. You cannot be faithful to one and not the other. Faithful presence requires that we do this together. Remember the opening words in the plurality? They devoted themselves. Luke is not writing the book of Acts in the singular fashion, just for you to read alone in isolation. Hey, you should devote yourself to Jesus. No, he's saying you need to be devoted with all of us because we are his body. So here's why. Here's why this matters if you're wondering, because Jesus himself in John chapter 13 says to his disciples who become his church, like, hey, they will know us. They will know you by your love, by your love. So we want to love others deeply. You want to be loved deeply? Pursue Jesus fully. That's why the second thing then that we see is that the fruit of faithful presence flows out of a corporate devotion to one another. The fruit of faithful presence, it flows out of a corporate, we are in this together, a corporate devotion. I'm devoted to you, you devoted to me. You're devoted to my kids, I'm devoted to your kids. Sorry, you're stuck with it, right? Like that's what it means to be a part of the body. We inherit one another, brothers and sisters, adopted, grafted in, all the language that the scriptures use. That's what it meant that they were devoted, not just to the apostles' teaching, they were devoted to the fellowship, this corporate devotion to one another, and the breaking of bread. Now, now scholars debate what, what's really meant here by the breaking of bread. Some take it that, hey, the breaking of bread here is the cup, the bread and the cup, the tradition of communion, that last meal that Jesus shared. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my cup, my blood shed for you. Other scholars take the breaking of bread and say, well, 
but it's more than just communion because the Jewish tradition is that you would fellowship together. You would embrace people into a community by literally breaking bread, by having meals with them. It was a fellowship meal. And you would not have a fellowship meal with someone that you weren't in fellowship with. So when you're having a meal together, it's saying, hey, we're in this together. So which is it? Well, what we see in the New Testament church moving forward is that these two things become intertwined. Paul says this in Corinthians as he's challenging them. Hey, you're eating together. When you're eating together, you're getting drunk on the wine instead of celebrating my sacrifice. It was both a meal and communion. They become intertwined. The community, we're called to be devoted in fellowship. That kind of persistent and devotion together, even at the table, becoming intertwined around the bread, the body, the blood of Jesus what the text is showing us is that there's both a personal devotion to the person of Jesus and his teachings, but there's also the corporate devotion to the corporate body of Jesus, the church. Here's why this is important. See, when you do this personally, when you aim at this and you do it really well personally, then people will look at your life and be like, they're a good person. They have faith. I admire their discipline. When we do this together, though, when we pursue this discipline together passionately, then the church or people, the world, doesn't look and say, oh, that's a person of it. They look at the whole body doing this together and like, that's unusual. And what do they see? They see Jesus. They don't see a singular person who has discipline and commitment. Oh, you're a person of faith. Well, I'm just not, or we'll just disagree on that. When they see a whole community doing this to the full extent that Jesus has taught us to do it, then what do they see? They see Jesus because they see the body of Jesus operating in the way that he's taught us to. That's why devotion to both Jesus and the community matters because Jesus said they'll know us by our love. See, here's, here's the recipe that we're going to see in the book of Acts. We're going to be in this passage in the next two weeks as well. You have to come back. You haven't learned it all yet. Next week, Gabe DeGarmo, our church planter from New Braunfels, is going to come. He's going to talk about what does it look like to really be devoted? How do we do that together and build this kind of community? And how do we really make and have this faithful presence with outsiders? He's going to teach us that from this text. But here's the recipe that we're seeing already. Personal devotion plus corporate devotion creates a compelling community. Personal devotion to the apostles' teaching to prayers, that, that devotion to God, plus the corporate devotion to one another creates a compelling community. How do we know it's a compelling community? Because verse 43 opens up with these words, and awe came upon every soul. And then it goes further, as we'll see later on in the text, that the whole city was amazed by what God was doing and the Lord was adding to their number daily. It was a compelling community because of their deep devotion. We all want to be a part of an Acts 2 community. But the question is, are you living in such a way where you're actually contributing to the community? Where you're actually helping the community be devoted and helping the community love one another? Is that what you're doing as a part of this body? What does this look like? What's the takeaway then as we land the plane this week? I want to just focus on, on that word and prayer piece 
because the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack what, what it looks like to love others deeply. But first, let me just ask, what's, what's the level of your devotion to the word? What's the level of your abiding in the teachings and the truths of Jesus? Maybe that's always a New Year's resolution for you, and maybe you always like, feel like you miss it. That's okay. Just start anew today. And to help you with that, we, we even have a reading plan. We produce a reading plan every year because, again, this isn't just a wish we have for you. We are going to equip you to do this. So you can grab this reading plan for 2024. I want to invite you to read with me through the scriptures this coming year. Be devoted to the word, to the teachings and the truths of Jesus. And hey, if you miss a day, if you get off from the calendar, it's okay. Because here's the deal with the reading plan. The goal of the reading plan it is less about doing it perfectly and more about being diligent and devoted. So you miss a day, fine. I miss days too. Can I, am I allowed to make that confession in church? I miss days when I get sick. I miss days when things blow up, when kids are sick and it ruins my schedule in the morning and now I got to rush here and do that. And, and, and man, it blows up. But, but it's still possible to be devoted to Jesus that day. So you, you may miss a day that's okay. Just start anew again the next day. What's the level of your devotion to the word? And can I just invite you to join me in the word this year to be devoted to the teachings and the truths of Jesus? And then secondly, what's, what's your abiding in prayer look like? You pray the same old prayers in the same old way. Is it just for the things that you need? Is it just a checklist, a to-do list that you give to Jesus? And like, I'll come back and check and see how you're doing. Can I just challenge you to pray a simple prayer this year, as often as you can remember, to every day say, Lord, would you help me to know how I can be a part of your kingdom work today? That's the prayer. Lord, would you help me to see how I can be a part of your kingdom work today. If we pray that every single day, I believe the spirit will begin to open our eyes. I believe he'll begin to open doors of relationship. I'll begin, I believe he'll, he'll begin to move in ways to actually use us. If every day we're saying, God, just help me to see where you want me to engage because here I am. Send me simple prayer. Can I challenge you? Join me in the scriptures. And join me in praying that prayer as often as you can remember every single day. Lord, help me to see where you're at work today. Help me to, to know how you would use me in that work. Maybe for some of you, maybe for some of you just need to start by surrendering your life to begin with because you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And maybe you're here today precisely because last year didn't work and you're trying to figure out something new, something that will work for you, something that will work for your marriage or everything that's blown up, and you're just gonna kick the tires of this and see if this works. Can I just challenge you and tell you, in love, truly in love, that you're never gonna find the things that work in your life without the one who made and gave life. And that's why God so loved you that he gave his son, Jesus, to you. And Jesus came, he said, I, I am the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I have the way, I have the truth, and I have life for you. 
And any who comes to me, I can impart my life to him. And maybe today you just need to begin by surrendering your life because you've been pursuing your own way and you know it's not been working. And so can I just invite you to pray with me as we close, to surrender your life to him, to pursue a better way, the way of Jesus. Pray with me. Father God, we need you. Would you just make that confession today? God, I need you. And if you've never surrendered your life to him and you're ready to do so today, would you, would you make that confession? Lord, I need you. Lord, I confess I've lived my own way. I confess I've lived for self and for my plans. But today, Lord, I lay those down. Today, Lord, I'm seeking the life that only you can give. Father, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you change me from the inside out? Lord, would you transform me, make me new? And not just me, but may that overflow into my relationships, my marriage. God, I need you. Church, together corporately, even if you've known and walked with Jesus a long time, would you just make that confession again? We never graduate from needing him. And so, Father, we just corporately confess we need you. We need you today. We need you tomorrow. We need you this year. And Lord, we long to live as people who are fully transformed and bringing glory to you. And Lord, we want our lives to count and matter for eternity and matter in your kingdom. And so teach us to be a faithful presence, oh God. Teach us to be fully devoted to you this year. And out of the overflow of that devotion, God, would you lead and guide our steps that we would be about your kingdom and your work. And we'd see the fruit of that in our families and in our communities, in our neighborhoods, God, in our, in our marriages. Lord, we need your transforming grace. So use us, oh Lord, we pray. But we commit ourselves first and foremost to you. And we ask this in Jesus' precious and matchless name. And all God's people say, amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through these messages, visit nebc.ch slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media or by subscribing to this weekly podcast. You can always stay up to date with information about what's going on here at Northeast by visiting nebc.ch slash mobile or by subscribing to the Northeast News, our periodic newsletter that comes to your inbox to keep you in the know. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples who pursue Jesus fully and love others deeply.